This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. Welcome home, Master Timothy. You've received a priority call. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Brother I is now online. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. And welcome to J.L. May, our first foray into uh, the J.L. May crossover. So I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 113. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. And we are also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You can get a hold of us through the BatmanUniverse.net and Batman Podcast Network for all of your Robin needs. Speaking of getting a hold of us, you can shoot us a message over at Facebook at Facebook dot com slash everyone loves a drake we are primarily on twitter at eltd podcast we have an instagram page and you can send us an actual email if you want to at robin eltd podcast at yahoo.com so with this being a crossover we do have terrence here today how you doing today sir i'm doing pretty good and i was going to tell you you know last show or one of the last shows depending on when this airs right. i said that i listen to stuff and then i start sounding like the person i listen to so when i listen to the kevin smith podcast i start using all this profanity and saying things like <laughs> horrible i've seen things around my wife and she's like what What are you doing and then last week i was re-watching the office so i was afraid i was going to sound like michael scott the whole time and or and start yelling at you but the last couple days i've been listening to the let's go comic show a lot i was cutting the grass and listening to mm. Their episode 135, all called Just a Fake Out, and I like the uh, He Tainted My Rebirth, which I want to talk about. That. <laughs> That's a good episode. So so now I'm afraid I'm going to sound like Justin Kowalski the whole episode, and, and I, I called my wife a rad friend, and I, I said dinner last <laughs> night. I said, I'm going to give my dinner a let's go, and she's like, what are you talking about here? So, But I, I do have a bone to pick with that guy, even though he, he uh, designed us some really cool t-shirts for our and all the artwork for our site. But um, there, I do have an issue with his last podcast. So hopefully one day I'll get to talk to him and bring it up to him. So, Folks, I think we're playing a long game. I Okay, let's see if you can figure out who I am on the show. I'm wearing my Flash socks. He's got rad Flash socks. I'm going to be Matt Ritchie on this show. Uh, that's, a, that's a cool dude. So we just need – oh, 
Oh, hey, look over there. It's Justin Kowalski from Let's Go Comic Show. That's Yo. a really long game. Hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> I was like, what bad words do I say on the show? <laughs> I was like, sorry, Terrence. <laughs> no, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, those titles come out of just like it's random crazy stuff that we'll say during the show. We're like, oh, that's got to be the title. Oh. You know, you, don't pl- you just don't plan stuff like that. It just kind of. My, you know, I don't know whatever whatever descriptors come out. That's that's the title of the show. My favorite one is still was it Purple Bruce Willis? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like I'll see like I've got it in my car where it, you know it puts it up on the screen. I'll see the title of the show and I'm like, how like how did they get this title? And in the episode, you guys will say something which has caused it caused me to rewind over and over again sometimes just hearing like the spontaneous laughter of like just you going oh dude that's the title of the show that's the <laughs> yes. show. yeah sometimes you know you're like that's that's it that's the title so like i said this is our crossover episode oh hold on though i want to i got a bone oh. to pick though oh there's it, a bone yeah oh. the well it was kind of funny because i was cutting the grass listening to the I guess the rebirth or not rebirth resurrection, you know, in honor of Easter, which oh, yeah. I think we should keep doing that theme. Like on good, uh, good Friday, you could do best breath and comic and like, it was supposed to come Sunday. out before it was supposed yeah. to come out before. And then, uh, you know, everyone got busy. So it came out, you know, after, but whatever. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> you know, on Christmas, you could do like the best births in comics and, and stuff. The, the best resurrection I always thought was in, but it was funny because, I, like halfway through it, when you didn't mention it, I'm like, well, I hope he doesn't mention it so I can talk about it on the <laughs> – so I'm only half like annoyed you didn't mention it. But in um, Blackest Night when – I don't know if you consider a resurrection, but there was like this big like fold-out No, that's, panel. All, that's basically resurrection, that <laughs> yeah. old bell. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that was so cool where it says like Rise and like – I think it was like Aquaman and Hawkman and Hawkwoman yeah. and Martian Manhunter mm-hmm. and they they were all resurrected but as Black Lanterns like that. I kept waiting for that one but uh, – yeah. There's a lot of Tim Drake mentioned on the podcast, so that was cool. Yeah, yeah, we didn't we didn't really do any homework. It was like, hey, maybe <laughs> yeah. we should talk about. Th-. It was just a busy week, and we're like, what should we do for the show? And then uh, it just kind of, it just kind of like became a, a battle about Barry Allen. And <laughs> I was on your side with that one. I think Wally West <laughs> is a much better Flash, but yeah. I I will co-sign that one. I'm yeah. I'm Team Wally. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was fun. But you, you're you're 100 percent right. Like that would have been maybe next year. We'll just do a whole thing on Blackest Night because I love that. I love that that book. That was such a great story. So, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Seriously, yeah, thanks it's, for coming on. It's fun to hang out with y'all. It's it, it's like going back. Like there's not a single, you know, there's not a moment missed. It's like oh yeah, we're just getting on a show together again. It's good. That's right, and I figure with this being a a crossover not only for our show but into the mix of other shows, I thought this was kind of a little bit of a a dark spot for Terrence and I, so let's just go out, and even though you guys aren't properly mentioned in the uh, trailer, now you will be, uh, we wanted to to reach out and pull in a show that we love to listen to, let's go, and just hang out with some rad friends to steal a a tagline (laughs) from from your show. But uh, before we get into our main topic... If you've been listening to the other shows, or if this is your first time listening to the show, we are going to be covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis storylines of going on. But there is a chief architect, if you will, of this that Terrence did want to do our opening topic with. And as a lot of podcasts have been talking about uh, Dan Dio leaving, I feel like this is one of those things, like every once in a while, he's like a little gopher that'll pop his head up out of his comic book stack, and he'll say something that tends to 
either upset or enrage us DC fans. Like, why are you saying that? So I'll let uh, Terrence take this, our uh, opening discussion over with a little Dan DiDio speak. Yeah, you know, he was actually like really quiet after his firing, which I don't blame him. But then <laughs> he popped up on the Joe Casada, I guess it's called the Drink and Draw Social Club, which is a live stream on YouTube. And he made some comments that really annoyed the heck out of me. And I wanted to vent about it. But, you know, like we're, we're trapped here at home. My kids and wife could care less and have no idea who Dan DiDio is or anything. <laughs> so this is my only outlet to vent. But, you know, his, his first comment, he, he didn't comment a lot about getting fired and what happened and the people on the show didn't really like press him on it either and he he, he made a statement we could go back to it this the one that didn't really annoy me was that um like basically with the new 52 they didn't work as hard and spend as enough t- time developing year two as they did year one which i'm thinking well like well what did you do in year two that you, you know like right. did you all just take a break or something but there was definitely a noticeable drop off in those books from mm-hmm. issues like one through 12 to 13 to 24 or 25 but the thing that infuriated me i'm trying to get the exact quote here he said he basically blames the fans he does this a lot where he he blames the fans for for his crap and then he says <laughs> if he says if you're not changing and evolving you're stagnant and this is from Newsarama, the quote. And when you're stagnant, the books become what the fans identify as, does this book matter? I need to know which books to buy, and I only want to buy the books that matter, DiDio said. Well, the only way they matter is if they're affecting change. Then you're chasing your own tail, and you can't get out of it. You have to do these starts and stops every once in a while to keep it going. And it just annoyed me, because that's not what the fans want. Fans don't want necessarily change they want good books they want good art and stories Mm -hmm. and not just buy the books that matter and then the thing is like it it insults us because like we're as fans we're fine with change as long as it's like a progression of the character told well over time like superman becoming a father and having this like relationship with jonathan kent like i didn't hear anybody complaining those books were awesome mm-hmm. all of a sudden jonathan kent one day like he's gone oh now he's like 17 like that's what annoys us where it just comes yeah. from out of nowhere like wally yeah. west all of a sudden becoming a murderer who would hide his crime by blaming Booster Gold and, and Harley Quinn and, and covering up the crime. Like, that just came from out of nowhere. That wasn't a progression of his character. This was like just just out of nowhere change, you know? And so his idea of change is just like, oh, well, it's this one day. Now it's something completely different the next day. Oh, you fans are never happy. You never like change. Like, that was so not true. And I was just wondering what you guys had any thoughts on that. Woo-wee. <laughs> Man. Go, go ahead, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need time to think. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan DiDio, <laughs> he's an enigma. So I, I appreciate his excitement in, like, you know, the big kind of splashes he tries to make. Um, I, I don't doubt that he, he loves comics. I just think he is so because he comes from tv you know mm-hmm. soap opera land right and so they're constantly changing and moving and do it and like i think he applies that with comics and yeah i think you're right terrence people don't necessarily want all of that to happen we want our characters to evolve like for me i don't know what you know where you guys land on this but like i'm okay with characters like you know having families like superman rebirth and it, it, yeah. it was a nice wrinkle it's funny in new 52 they didn't want anyone married it was like yeah. no one's married right no 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 you know well aquaman and mare they're married uh, no they're not and they stop talking <laughs> about it you know no, never happened and so 
it's very interesting for him to say like, well, these characters need to breathe and grow and move on. And like, but you're not allowing them to like his idea is like, we'll just kill him. And I, and I think like that, you know, the original hit list for like infinite crisis, man, like Nightwing, he he wanted to kill Nightwing, Dr. Fate, uh, Shazam, uh, Tempest. Like there's just a lot. It's like, why, you know, like that's not the solve. The solve isn't to like get rid of these characters. The solve is to get good good uh, writers and like you said like creators on these books because there's a guarantee people chomping at the bit to like oh man I got a great Robin story I want to tell and right. that's what the publisher's job is to is to find those people you know but you know but we you know he he said in another interview I was listening to you know what happens sometimes these writers and artists are locked in the contracts and they're just pushing out crap this is like well, yeah. we'll wait for <laughs> yeah. their contract to write out and you're like oh pill, pilling the page back a little bit which I think Still, no, isn't that isn't that one of those where you're under contract to write for DC? But if yeah. I'm the head editor, I'm not going to let you write crap. I'm like, yeah, well, that's... we're gonna we're gonna guide you. Yes, we want you to tell your own story, but you've got to fit into the bubble of what our universe is telling. You know, you, yeah. you can't have Robin all of a sudden start carrying <laughs> rocket launchers and be a mass murderer and go to Mars. Like none of our characters are. He, he's not doing that, but yeah. he can do this. Yeah, you definitely have to have a pulse of like what's going on in your books and who the characters are, and um, and and to know like, man, killing Nightwing that would have been the stupidest thing. But you know, his his no no no, the stupidest thing would be having him shot in the head and become Rick Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> no, I, just I yeah. I'll, I'll put this down. I don't mind that storyline right now because I know I, it's going to end up going back, <laughs> and it's interest. It was it's been interesting. It was really yeah. bad. Yeah, and then it, then it's been getting better, and I'm like, okay. I think it's been better once Jurgens got a hold of it and was like, yes. all right, I was given this mashed up grapefruit, but I think there's enough pieces in it where you can digest it and go, that was pretty, that was pretty good. Yeah, it started I'm off starting shaky. to like the cops and the fire, you know, the, uh, the those characters. I'm like, okay, because it, it's it's one of those things in comics. There is cycles where, oh man, we're gonna get a story we don't know if we love, you know, uh, and then it, it it's like a a. a you know, a smaller version of like Reign of the Superman. Okay, we know Superman's coming back, but let's enjoy this this like storyline. And that that one was done a lot better. But you know, we all want Superman back. But okay, let's let's ride it out a little bit. But taking but taking Grayson off the table in general, like killing Nightwing, well, that that doesn't make any sense. And his whole positioning on that was, well, you know, we already have Robins. So we don't need Nightwing. What is what what's different about him? And like you know, we had we're grateful that Jeff Johns and Eddie Berganza like twisted his arm and, and told, explained to him, no, this is who Nightwing is, and so, which is bizarre to me as a co-publisher. <laughs> like, right. You don't know how important Nightwing is to the history of <laughs> yeah. the company. He's he's like you know, if there's a Trinity, he's the he's the the fourth wheel. You know what I'm saying? Like right. he's there, yeah. right next. I to mean, him. So, for a I would say brief moment for a little while, the Trinity was actually Superman, Batman, Robin, then Wonder Woman, you know, before she really started gaining. Oh, yeah. Some, like the, you know, world's it, finest type of stuff. Yeah. The world's yeah. world's finest type stuff. So, yeah, that's that's just blindly walking into your store and go, why do we need lawnmowers? Like, why, why can't you just use scissors? Like, if you don't know what's in your store. I don't think you have the right to go starting to say, well, why do we need X? Because clearly you don't. You're not you're not getting the whole picture. I think the answer for my question with with Dan, I, not to repeat what everybody else is saying, but I think it's one of those. I'm okay with change. Yeah, change sometimes sucks, but that could actually lead to some 
steal another phrase from let's go like another wrinkle like so just because there's a wrinkle doesn't mean it's not bad yeah. like the, a crease ends up in the soup but kind of makes it look kind of cool kind of little ba but to just go ahead and like oh we're just going to go I, I felt like with dan he had a list of all right here's the here's some of the people that i want to kill off let's write a story around that rather yeah. than writing the story and you know what, this may shock some fans, but we've been leading up to this rather than we're just going to, I felt like there's an idea and I always felt like it was, this is bass backwards, but characters first rather than the idea, mm-hmm. rather than cultivating the idea and then seeing what characters fit into the puzzle rather than we're going to force these characters into this cog where you start reading some of the stuff and go, this just doesn't make sense. Like I don't see this character doing or saying these things. And then when a death or something catastrophic happens, you go, Oh, now I get why this character's in there just so they can be killed off. Mm. Yeah. And I, my problem too is like blaming us fans for, Oh, wanting change, but then not right. wanting change and, and putting the blame on us. And I've felt for years that DC editorial, especially the deal, do, doesn't really understand the fans like who are actually going and buying those comics every week. Like they're so focused on getting other people to buy the comics and new fans. They forget about those people who actually show up every week and, and what we want and what we like. And, you know, I hear them like, well, I said this with uh, Scott Snyder when he was making, you know, Batman v Superman and, and Justice League. Like, I think we both, Snyder and Wait, I Zach, both. Zack Snyder. Oh, Zack Snyder. Snyder. <laughs> Scott Snyder. Wait, I get the I Snyders. Like, what? Yeah. Too many Snyders. Wrong Snyder. <laughs> when Zack Snyder was, was making it, I said, I think we both love Batman, but we love him for different reasons. Like, Ooh. what I love about Batman is not what he loves. And you hear DiDio all the time talk about Watchmen and uh, Dark Knight as like, oh, this is like the greatest things we've ever done. And this is what every book has to be and every hero has to be. And it's like, I don't think the guy who's buying his comics every mo- every week, that's what they love. They don't love Watchmen. They love more like Batman the Animated Series and that tone and that style and that kind of, you know, more like a Jeff Johns kind of DC universe than a, than a Dark Knight universe. I mean, I don't even... Mm. I, growing up as a kid I, in the the nineties and stuff, I don't even remember people talking about Watchmen or you know like that wasn't like a big thing where we all we all talked about Watchmen. It wasn't. I didn't even read it till the movie came out, oh, and wow. it was always like, oh, oh, it's on Time Magazine's list of one hundred greatest no, you know novels, and I'm like, well. DC Comics is owned by Time Warner. They, they had to put at least one DC comic on the list. Like I, I you know, like so. I don't know. I, I just feel like I feel like the people I talk to and who are you know going and buying every week like a more of a Batman animated series than Watchmen. But uh, I wanted to tie it in because in Infinite Crisis, as I've been learning about this here, part of it is like the heroes have become too dark. They've become just jerks really when you read like issue one when batman wonder woman and superman are all talking they're all just they're not nice and in the robin and stuff the omax they they can't tell the difference between who's a hero and who's a villain like they see you know i mean i know they're programmed and everything by maxwell lord and they see wonder woman snap maxwell lord's neck but it's sort of jeff johns kind of in a very meta way commenting on comics and the state of comics that you know, who's the hero, who's the villain? You can't even tell. And we need our heroes to be more like what they were and including 
an infinite crisis, you've got, you know, the Superman and Lois Lane from, hopefully I'll get these right, Earth 2, and Alexander Luther from Earth 3, and Superboy Prime, who were, like, these great examples of, like, heroes, I guess, from the 50s or so, when everything was goody two-shoes, and they're like, we have to break out and fix this, because why did we sacrifice to save this? This is not what we sacrificed, this is not what we what we should have and so it's just like it's i feel like everything's coming full circle here but i'll I'll shut up and let you guys talk you go ahead justin yeah no i i I agree i think there was we were coming to a time of like well what what the what the heck is happening it was in that book where where batman gives superman that line he's all the last time you inspired anybody was when you were dead is that in that book yeah i think so and I was I was if, struggling to try and remember where that line came from because yeah, it's the same thing I was just thinking him of. and Superman and Wonder Woman and they're just kind of having it out and it or was that maybe it was Justice maybe it was the start of the new Justice League book I don't know but it, it, it hits that same point of like the characters kind of veered off where they where we kind of wanted them at you know I, I always think that like the prime version of these characters are what you think about when you close your eyes. And that's like superpowers, action figures, you know, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's kind of the I'm not saying like the goofy side of it, or, but like that those classic even better. Those Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, like, like his name. turnarounds, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's who these characters are. They've strayed friend, from that. Yeah. And I had a friend say that he felt like he missed his cereal box superheroes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, I don't mean that like disingenuous. He's like. Like you said, when you close your eyes or you're eating your cereal in the morning as a kid and there's, you know, Batman on your box, that iconic looking of the character where you're like, oh, man, you can just take all the the great stories and adventures that you've read or that you're going to read rather than sometimes the things that you're actually having to to dig down and like this. This feels less like the character that I like. Yeah. Than than what the image is portraying. Like I'm seeing Batman on the front cover, but the way you're talking about him is not the idea when i close my eyes yeah and and I, and here's like i don't think that when you're when you're thinking about these characters in that way that you want them to be you know the superpowers cartoon version no it, and I, I think i but i think that feeling that we think <laughs> is what gives us comfort and it gives us like man i really i really like when these characters are this way i, I think superman rebirth is a great um, example of taking superman back to his core of who he is who we love about him actually like giving him a little more life oh he is married he is he does have this son and these are great stories and it doesn't detract there's actually growth in the character but he's still the core of who he is you know like i loved that like they're (laughs) hey dan didio that's a whole new story that's being told that's never been told but it's still the character we want and i don't think anyone had like you know issues with that no no not at all if you look at the sales, I mean, the Action Comics Rebirth by Dan Jurgens and the Tomasi Superman book, I love those books. And you look at the sales numbers from when they ended those to when yeah. Brian Michael Bendis took over and how it's dropped. Like, the fans are, are, are not buying them week to week like they were the other books. I got the trade paperback of Infinite Crisis. It's on page huh. 38. And uh, I, I shouldn't read the Batman lines with Justin here. Justin should be reading the Batman <laughs> lines. I mean, I, but I'm going to do a lot of bleeping. <laughs> I know. 
uh, maybe you can like Justin can read this after and you can edit it in. But uh, <laughs> Batman says to um, Superman on page thirty eight. But they need to be inspired. And let's face it, Superman. The last time you really inspired anyone was when you were dead. And it's just like his white eyes. And then you see. Yeah. Um, Uncle Sam or U.S. Sam or whatever his name was from the Freedom Fighters in like oh, yeah, a, just dead mm-hmm. in a pool of I think it's oil. And in the back, they talk about that in like the interviews, uh, at least the version that I have about how like I have originally. One. Yeah, it was supposed to be like water because they were fighting on, on a pier. But then that got taken out and then it turned red, which just looked like blood, which just looked too awful. So then they turned it to uh, to oil and then <laughs> it's um, oil. Yeah. Or what, wait, wait. Yeah. Why is there oil? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> what? Well, what? Before we uh, get into our our quick little uh, break, we're gonna take. What was the universe for you? For you guys, like reading this, knowing that Infinite Crisis is coming up, and this is a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths on some level. That there's gonna be another reset that is gonna go happen to the universe. Were you guys entrenched in reading comics? I know, like speaking for myself, I was fully into playing in the bars and clubs behind a drum kit at, at this point. So <laughs> my my comic reading was very lax because, you know, I needed more symbols and more sticks and more drum heads. So I would kind of dip in and out. I knew that this event was coming, but I was more trying to learn the latest Van Halen or Kiss song or the occasional Ramones tune or something like that than, <laughs> than digging in here. But I, I was aware that DC was on some rocky grounds, which goes to what Dan keeps saying, like, oh, if you get stagnant, you got you've got to shake things up. So I think sometimes when an event happens, a lot of us they're like, oh, we've got another reset coming. You know, I I was just getting ready to like, or I was just liking this character, and now we're going to reset. I may not even get him back after the reset. So, what were you guys doing as the countdown to Infinite Crisis was just getting ready to launch? Were were you reading much, or were you just kind of more peripherally? Let's start with uh, Terrence on this, and I know his answer because we talked about it off mic. Yeah, I, I was in prison, so I couldn't really get books. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Rob used to come visit me. No, um, the, uh, I, I slide these on the yeah, yeah. table there. Um, 2006, I was um, trying to buy a house, really, and starting like really starting like a career and stuff. So I was not reading books at all. A few years later, I got back into it, and I had no money, so I was taking taking the trades out of the library, I discovered that my public library actually had like the trade paperbacks, which blew my mind. I wish that would have been that way when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. um, the one that really got me that I loved is they had all four editions of 52, not new 52 or anything that the weekly 52 that came yeah. out of infinite crisis. Mm-hmm. And the one year later, and man, I love that series. I, I couldn't get enough of it. So after reading that, I was trying to like piece together. Okay. What happened? Where did this come from? What's infinite crisis? What's one year later? Why does Tim Drake have like a, a different costume and all this stuff? So that's kind of where I was with it. And on a side note, I was so into the new 52 uh, or not new 52. I'm sorry. 52. I had, I, I read those trade paperbacks like three or four times each. And I, I was on a field trip with my uh, class and we were like supposed to listen to like the, some guest speaker and I was in the back reading the 52 and all the kids like <laughs> l- like looked and saw me reading comic books and they're like man you're supposed to be paying attention I'm like what oh sorry so that's where I was yeah well Justin yeah I was still I was still in the the weekly you know comic game but 
not so much. You know, I, I had my go-tos. I was getting Batman. I was still hanging on to Justice League. And uh, I think I was still doing JSA as well. And Daredevil. <laughs> Those are the, like the only books I was really picking up. I was also a, a Borders like guy. I'd go to Borders and like, <laughs> I'm going to buy trades. And so yeah. I do, I remember I got the, I remember getting hooked on those 52 uh, trades when those came out. So, but so as far as like infinite crisis though, is I remember getting the countdown issue. Cause I was like, wait, what's going on? Like trying to figure out who the heck was on the cover. It was like a big deal. Cause looking yeah. at it now, you're like, okay. Cause we, you know, spoilers, this came right. out in 06. <laughs> it's blue beetle. But like, then we're like, who the heck is on the cover? You know, you have this Jim Lee drawing painted by, you know, uh, Alex Ross, you know, so that was cool. Like I'm buying this book just because of that. But right. I just remember like, what the heck is going on and be getting excited about it because it was, it was a crisis and crisis meant something. And so it brought me back. I was like, okay, so I'm going to buy these like issues, but I've read all the other stuff through trade. I was like, okay, I, I have to read <laughs> the Ranthanagar war. I have to read, you know, like, Days of Judgment, all these like tie-ins that they had because you know I felt like that's going to be important to this story. <laughs> eh, it's all right, but, yeah. but, but kind of sorta, yeah. Infinite Crisis, I really, really enjoyed it. As far as the Crisis books are, like you know what, there's Crisis on Infinite Earths, there's Identity Crisis, there's Zero Hour. Don't forget Zero Hour. Zero that's, Hour, yeah. That's a Crisis in Time. There's Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis. I think Infinite Crisis is actually my favorite of the Crisis stories. You know, as we talked about, like Dan DiDio's initial approach to to doing these stories, it ended up working out really well. I thought it did do what it set out to do. You know, and that's what these crossovers typically, you know, if they land well, man, they platform they platform things really well. Then you're like, oh wait, <laughs> they did all this work, and why why did you just you know why did you just drop the donuts on on your on your take? You know, <laughs> once they hand it off to the to the artists and writer team. But yeah, where I was, sorry, long, long story. I was, I was in comics, you know, it was, it was my hobby. It's all I had. I was, I wasn't married yet. I was, a, uh, I was just a guy doing my, doing life. <laughs> I was you just know? a guy. <laughs> it was just a guy, you know, just, you know, in his rhythms working. And then this, this is what I did. My hobby. I wasn't as far in as I wanted to. Cause I was, I was just a guy who had bills <laughs> right <laughs> at the same time. So like I, I, I did what I, I could and, but I love these characters and I was really curious and, um, but yeah, that issue blew me. I was not happy with the first issue of Infinite Crisis. I'll tell you that, or no, the countdown. The countdown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Countdown. I was like, what the what? What's going? You know, right? Ex especially when you start getting towards the end of that, and yeah, I forget who Blue Beetle ends up saying it to. Like, tell Booster Gold is always my friend. Like, what? Like, are we seriously doing this right now? Yeah. You know, and you're like, eh, maybe he's not really dead. And I'm like, you know, he just took a bullet to the head. I think he's pretty much gone. You know. Yeah. And I, I was kind of like you, like, even though I was, you know, playing drums quite a bit at this point, or I actually think I was getting out of playing at this point, really close to by a year or so, that I would pick up trades every now and then of like, oh, the, here's a thing that I, I missed or I, I knew they were going out. So I had like a smattering of Robin issues around this time, but it had been a little bit, you know, before I would eventually collect the whole run and start you know, reading through. So this was this was a spot as far as the Robin books that we're going to cover today. This was a first read for me at all yeah. for this. So going into this podcast and this episode, I had never read these three issues 
ever before in my life. So <laughs> I had had read Infinite Crisis and had had known where excuse me where the story was was going. So when I read Robin, I was like, oh, okay, I I can see how this kind of dovetails into the story. So I guess this is a good moment. We're going to take a quick promo break. You're actually going to hear the uh, promo for J.L. May and then a couple others that we have here. So when we come back on the other side, we are going to talk about Robin's interaction in the Countdown to Infinite Crisis. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You are interfering with my directive. I cannot allow this to occur. OMAC R00 activate. I hope he's home. Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? I told you never to call me again. Yeah. I know, and modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much I don't care. Look, I'm getting the trailer for this year's JL May together, and I assumed I had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something. <laughs> well, look at you, leading this year's JL May. Somebody's wearing his big boy pants. So, what's the theme? I sent you an email like a month ago. Like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020 with a special episode of Views from the Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant, and from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes! Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020. On Views from the Long Box and continues into Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, Relatively Geeky Presents, Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, and the Dr. DC Podcast. In April of 1940, at DC Comics, with Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson, would introduce the world to the first sidekick, Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin, 
The Boy Wonder, in issue 38 of Detective Comics. With the first year of Batman's crime-fighting under his utility belt, the editors at DC wanted a way to bring in younger readers to their books. They wanted to give them a POV into Batman's character and a hero they could relate with and see themselves swing across Gotham City's streets alongside Batman. Robin was the window. Over the last eight decades, there have been many incarnations of Batman's trusted partner. From the comics, TV, silver screen, video games, animation, and toys, Robin has been at Batman's side in his, or her, classic look of red, green, yellow, and black. This year, in 2020, we will see DC Comics celebrating the 80th anniversary of Robin, and so will Terrence, Ryan, and myself here on the podcast. Every other episode this year, well, <laughs> as long as Rob can keep everything straight, will have us following Tim Drake in the 1990s-2000s DC timeline. The following episode, we will be joined by a selection of special guests throughout 2020. The guests will be selecting their favorite Robin and a story that connects them to the character. It could be a comic, movie, animation. Hey, wait. So, like, uh, we, could we be reading Red Hood and the Outlaws on this show? Or Nightwing. Yeah, that's the idea. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, so you're opening the door to not just Tim Drake, but any Robin? Yeah. So does that mean Rick Grayson? Yeah, like the new 52 Helena Wayne, Robin of Earth 2? Heck, even the pre-crisis Robin of Earth 2? Or, dare I even say, Damien? Batman Forever? 1950s Detective and Batman Stories? Batman 66 episode? Batgirl Stephanie Brown? Teen Titans Robin with Wolfman and Perez? Jeff Johns and... Oh no! No! Scott Lobdell? No! Okay, uh, while I give my co-hosts a minute or so to digest all of this information, you can find our show, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast, through the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. Also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you traditionally listen to your podcasts from. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think Terrence might need a bottle of water. Or maybe a paper bag. No! New 52! It's gonna be okay, Terrence. It's gonna be okay! Change of Tim Drake's origin. Don't worry, Terrence. Crazy Red Robin costume. It's gonna be okay. Uh, maybe it won't happen.
Okay, the cover credits for the three issues we're going to be talking about will read as follows. And again, I'm pulling this off Mike'sAmazingWorld.com. The cover credits for Robin 143 read as follows. The cover date is December 2005. The on-sale date is October 19th, 2005, with a cover price of $2.50, a lot higher than what we're currently doing in our timeline after having just completed Contagion. But I digress. The editor is Michael Wright. Robin 144, the cover date is January 2006, with the on-sale date being November 23rd, 2005. The cover credits for Robin 145, the cover date is February 2006. The on-sale date is December 21st, 2005. The artist credits will be the same for all three issues, with the writer being Bill Willingham, the penciler Scott McDaniel, the inker Andy Owen, the letter Phil Balsman, and the colorist Guy Major. Cover credits for all three issues, again, being penciler Scott McDaniel and the inker Andy Owen. And the only reprinting of this has been in the Robin trade paperback, Robin Days of Fire and Madness. Robin 143, Rock the Haven. Johnny Warlock arrives at Laura's apartment, telling her Bloodhaven is no longer safe and they must leave now. In another part of Bloodhaven, the first OMAC is released by Brother Eye. It arrives chasing after Junkyard Dog, a metahuman that was on the hunt for Robin. The OMAC has one goal, kill. Fearing the Penguin has sent this thing after JD, he literally runs into gas bags, saying he'll work for free if the Penguin just calls this thing off. JD uses gas bag as a human shield and narrowly escapes the attack from the OMAC. Meanwhile, Johnny and Laura checking into a hotel and an OMAC finds them and fires upon both of them. Both recover, firing back at the OMAC. Now in her warlock daughter's mode, she and Johnny are now surrounded by 15 to 20 OMACs and are seriously outnumbered when suddenly from the skies, Robin and the veteran and Haven team come into view helping out. Robin swings from his parachute and lands into one of the blue robot things and thinks, these things are smart, but are they clever? Johnny sees Robin. Laura lied. It's the same Robin that destroyed him. Laura thinks this is a new boy wonder, but Johnny knows this is the one. He grabs her by the throat and says she will die for this. More OMACs arrive. Johnny loses his grip on Laura and lets her drop as he powers up to drain the OMACs and destroy them. Laura wants Johnny dealt with. Robin tells her that if Johnny is still alive after all of this, he'll be dealt with. As Robin engages one of the OMACs, they are now alerted by Brother Eye that he works for the creator, i.e. Batman, and Robin is now a target of the OMACs. Von Hammer sees one of the fallen OMACs and realizes they are not robots, but people. They are killing humans. More metaheroes in the city are also fighting OMACs when the OMACs begin to suddenly fall out of the sky. And this is for your editor's note. Listen to Married with Comics podcast for their coverage of the OMAC project and read issue number six of the OMAC project to find out why. But check out Married with Comics. They do a full in-depth part of their JL May. Okay, so back to our coverage. Robin and his team frantically start catching the falling citizens out of the sky. Now that the OMACs have somehow been neutralized, Johnny Warlock turns his attention to Robin to kill him once and for all. The warlock on Johnny's chest begins to speak with him and says that they will eat his bones if he does not do the dark deed. Robin now stands defiant in front of Johnny Warlock. He powers up his energy blast, and Robin taunts Johnny. Von Hammer tries to tell Robin to stop. Robin tells her he's beaten him once before and says that his powers are stronger than Johnny's. This enrages Johnny even more. There is a blinding flash of light that engulfs Robin, and when the light goes away, Robin is still standing? 
How is this possible? As Robin predicted, Johnny got full of himself and worked himself all up that he could not beat Robin, and that fear is what actually beat him. And he was not focusing, which is why. Before Johnny could think to do anything, Robin sprays knockout guests, and Johnny is out like a light. Good thing he listened to Laura. She had told Robin in a previous conversation he literally talks himself out of things by worrying. Speaking of Laura, Robin turns to look for her, and she has disappeared. The veteran is concerned that they don't have the means to hold magical beings. Robin calls in some expert, Ragman and Nightshade. They arrive to take Johnny away. The veteran informs Robin that from the attack on the Omax, Bloodhaven is in serious need of help. There are fires and casualties all over the city. Ragman and Nightshade agree to lend their hand in helping save Bloodhaven. Robin 144, Days of Madness and Fire. Nightshade takes Johnny away, but calls in a reinforcement to help Ragman and Robin. It's Blue Devil. The team heads out across Bloodhaven to rescue people from the destroyed buildings and those on the street that were attacked by the Omax, and any of the Omax that are still alive, i.e. citizens. Warlock's daughter will have to be dealt with a bit later. There are still many in need throughout the city, or what's left of it. Robin, Ragman, and Blue Devil take out a few of the stray bad guys along the way, and Robin is not even sure who they are. And us, the reader, are asking the same thing. Like, one of them is an insect, millipede, worm kind of thing. And his body does stink. And it's probably something that he ate. So what do we call him? Uh, we're going to call him Tapeworm. The other guy is big and loud and makes a whole lot of noise and has an electric metal hand. Let's call him uh, Thunderhand. Robin and Ragman try to take out Tapeworm, but every time they punch him or pull him, he continues to grow. Blue Devil tries to take out Thunderhand. And if I'm being honest, they are made for each other. Loud and boastful. Tapeworm says he ain't done nothing wrong and you ain't putting me back where those blue robot things are. Blue Devil takes out Mr. Thunderhand. Robin and Ragman have Tapeworm stretched out to his limits. And this is disgusting. He rips apart in two and slithers up the side of the building. Gross. Robin chases after the front half of Tapeworm, and Blue Devil and Ragman stay with Thunderhand, and when he wakes up, the two of them grill him about how many metas were being held by the Elmax. Maybe they can get a sense of how many metas have escaped the Haven. Robin calls Veteran, who has newly regrouped with Ragman and Blue Devil. Thunderhand is now awake and talking. Shocker. The Veteran says that there are some 50 new supervillains running loose. Thunderhand tells everyone that those blue things might be people, but they ain't people no more. At first, they thought they were being busted out, but they just took us to a much bigger prison, this time with the caped ones, good and bad. It didn't matter. They had already captured 200 or so. The blue ones took care of them for a few days, and then all of a sudden started killing people right in their cells. They just moved from block to block, and then the next one, systematically killing each individual. They had made it so all the superpowers would be inactive, some kind of blocker. Then the robots suddenly just started to collapse. Our powers returned, and what was left of us escaped once the powers came back. Thunderhand says they decided to kill the former robot people, fearing that they would wake back up and try to kill them again. Ragman is infuriated by this revelation. They murdered those innocent people. Ragman reaches out to Thunderhand, bringing him into his patchwork. He chose this. If he cooperates in Ragman's mission, he will put in a good word for his afterlife. Robin and Blue Devil are shocked by this. He's acting as judge, jury, and executioner. Ragman tells them he answers to a higher authority. The trio head back to find Laura. Moments later on a rooftop, they find Laura. Robin says that his friends are part of a magical team known as Shadow Pack. Ragman tells her that Robin thinks there might be a chance there is still good in her and that she might be able to do some good for Shadow Pact. 
The group heads down to the surface street to talk. Laura says she needs to talk to her boyfriend, Tim Drake, if they still are boyfriend and girlfriend, that is. Robin says he thinks he can find Tim. At that moment, Blue Devil sees a few bad guys. Okay, more like 30 at the bottom of the building. Tapeworm is leading the charge. Robin 145, too many villains, and our final synopsis for the day. In the center of Bloodhaven, Tink and the rest of the Haven squad have surrounded up their section of the city and have captured the villains that were in their area. The veteran cannot seem to get a hold of Robin as their last transmission was cut off. Tink is successful making a call to Robin, but the signal is weak. Robin explains in short detail, as I'm going to do for this part of the synopsis, because let's just face it, it would take way too long. Robin Blue Devil, Ragman, and Warlock's daughter are fighting those 30-some-odd villains that none of us can really seem to name or understand until we look it up in DC Wikipedia. But that's neither here nor there. Robin is not sure if they are winning, but there's just too many of them in this alley, and the villains are practically kicking their own butts to try to get at them. The veteran hears this, and he, Cloud, Tink, and Von Hammer head to their location. The fight is thinned out for a bit, and the good guys don't have to worry about hitting each other so much. Warlock's daughter is also in the fight and is not afraid to use her powers and take a life if need be. Robin can't help but think if there's any hope for her at all, she's got to pull it in now. Robin at one point had to fight with his eyes closed because he could have been turned to stone by the curator. A good thing Batman and Nightwing have both trained him to fight with a blindfold on in his early days. The veteran and the Haven team are still battling more villains on their way to Robin's location with every step it seems. At some point in the fight, Robin gets overtaken by Monsoon, and just as the alley fills up with water, don't ask me how, it just did, and he can feel the darkness is about to overtake him when Laura pulls him from the water. Laura saved Robin from a rising flood, again in an alley. Don't ask me specifics of how. The duo race back to the others and see that Ragman and Blue Devil have captured most of the villains that survived the flood in an alley again, and that were not washed away from it by Monsoon. The veteran and the Haven squad arrive just to see the skirmish is already over. Robin, Ragman, and Blue Devil are cuffing the last few villains. When Tink says, we're here to rescue you, but the battle's over, Tink. High above the streets of Bloodhaven, a red and yellow streak flying very fast is searching for Robin. Where could he be? It's Cassie Sandsmark, a.k.a. Wonder Girl. She stops in midair once she sees Robin. She quickly lands on the ground and grabs Robin by the shoulders. Robin is surprised to see her. She tells Robin that it's an emergency. The Titans need him. Now. Up next, Infinite Crisis. But not technically for the show, but we'll get into the discussion of these three issues. Rerouting security. You look lonely. I will fix that for you. All right, we're back, folks. This is our contribution to the J.L. May crossover event. We're going to be looking at Robin 143, Robin 144, and Robin 145, which takes place during the OMAC project event that is preceding into Infinite Crisis. I had to do a little bit of extra homework for this. I actually went back clear to issue 139 to get a a good handle on what was going on in Tim's universe. So if you've been following us up to this point, we just recently finished contagion. So this is quite a long jump. I always like to refer to this as jumping the red bird. We'd clearly jumped the red bird <laughs> over our mark and landed infinite crisis. We're shotgun. So, it. 
<laughs> yeah, that, we, we need shotgun. That, that's who's missing from this story. <laughs> so to give you a little perspective of where we're at now, I don't think Justin and Terrence read this far, but this is after Tim is basically like been on his own and needs an adult to to basically live with. So he hires somebody to play Uncle Eddie, and that is his quote unquote guardian. So in 139, Batman has basically come to Tim and has like, I know about, I know about Uncle Eddie. And Tim's like, great. I've been lying to Bruce this whole entire time. I've been lying to my friends. I've been lying to the school and is ready for like, this is, this is kind of a serious moment that Tim is in some deep water. And Bruce is kind of like, that was actually really ingenious. I'm not going to say anything. This is allowing you to pursue what is going on. Just keep me in the loop. So I can kind of vouch for you and things like that. So they're starting to get into discussions of the veteran where I've never really read anything with the veteran in it before. And the veteran is a character that is there on every major U.S. battle when the first shot is fired and then the last shot is fired, the veteran disappears. So he's been around since the colonial wars all the way up to, you know, like. Desert Storm is that type of character. And Batman's real dismissive about it and saying, this is more folklore and it's it's, it's tall tale. And Tim thinks he's got some intel on it. He gets in contact with a girl that he is believed to have been killed at a, at a school shooting, essentially. And she has come back as this other creature. And Tim's trying to piece that together. The veteran wants to recruit Tim into his army and... Bruce is asking Tim, is this just another ploy or another tactic for you trying to leave again? And Tim says, no, I've made a a code and a vow to spend the rest of my life fighting crime. I'm just wanting to see what other options are available. And Bruce and Tim leave it off as when you make your decision, let me know. But Bruce is almost like quit trying to pull the rug out that you're going to you're going to leave again. If you're going to do it, do it and then. You know, Bruce is going to do whatever's going on. So that's those are the events that are taking place as it's going on. Tim goes over and fights with the veteran and the the Haven, as they're called, over in like Saudi Arabia or something like that. And on their way back into Bloodhaven, where Tim is operating out of, this is when the huge event takes place with all of the Omax descending throughout the. Uh, throughout all of uh, the DC universe. Yeah. And I remember what the actual number is. I'm frantically trying to scroll through my... It's like 2 million, I think, or yeah, something like, like that. 2 million yeah. Omax have been dispersed across the world. And Johnny Warlock and <laughs> Laura, which are some crazy names, which I think we're going to get into it, are the first two to encounter the Omax coming in. And they are quasi-saved by Robin and the veteran and his team coming in. Now, leading up to this... Johnny Warlock was beaten, air quotes, by Tim Drake and once, or by Robin and once vengeance on this. And Tim goes through this big ruse by pulling in Superboy to say, oh, no, there have been many Robins throughout Batman's time. And we're not really sure. So there's like a whole other subplot going on that I really didn't read up to this point of like what was even going on, how Darla or now she's calling herself Laura had died and how she came back. So. We're going to leave that off to the side and just more focus on the events at hand. So before, hey, we, before get in- we get to, to that one, I, I wanted to ask you one little reaction to it. Did you, 
What was your reaction? I think it was issue 142, the one right before it, <laughs> yeah. where Tim Drake and Lieutenant Lisa Von Hammer share a kiss. <laughs> did you see that scene? I did. <laughs> to so, set this to sage for people who haven't seen, I mean, how could you have not read Robin 142? But right. <laughs> so, for anyone else, they, they finished the battle. For some reason, I, I'm not even sure why Tim Drake is shirtless. So well, is the, the general shirtless. Yeah. Yeah. The reason is that the creatures that they're fighting are basically. They're equating it to zombies. Like they get all hunkered down in this little bunker and they realize, all right, this is like Custard's last stand. If we get bitten by one of these creatures, we're going to turn into one of them. So they all make an agreement like, all right, if I get bit, just shoot me and kill me. And Tim ends up saying like, wow, I didn't think it was going to come to this. So they end up winning and beating this whole entire army with some aerial help from a uh, some fighter drones. So the veteran is basically lives forever. He's like, even if I got bit, I'm going to be fine, but you need to check everyone. So basically you've got to strip down and check each other to make sure you don't have a bite. If you have a scratch that can be dealt with, but if you have a bite mark, you're done. So that's why all of them are shirtless and almost partly naked and looking at one another to see if there's any bites. And then Tim was trying to mack on Von Hammer in the early part of the story, and she was like, nope, this is the mission. So she eventually like plants one on Tim, and they were like, ooh, Tim got a kiss. Like, I can't believe, you know, or Robin, rather, because they don't know who he is. <laughs> but they're like, I'm surprised that Von Hammer kissed a boy. And one of them was like, I'm surprised she kissed anybody, you know? Well, they were like... Teenage boy, yeah, 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 teenage boy. Well, then her line was like, "That's just a preview of what to come when you turn 18. If you make (laughs) right, I was like, "Whoa!" (laughs) So that's what kind of Tim has been doing. So my podcasting head has been spun around. You know, we're dealing with contagion and getting ready to get to the big story of No Man's Land. But I'm like, does Tim? Spoilers: Robin makes it out of contagion. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Spoilers: Tim's alive. (laughs) Yeah. And survives No Man's Land and an earthquake and any other event coming on. And if my timeline is right, Tim has lost his... His dad's been killed by Captain Boomerang, which is why he's going with the fake uncle, because he had to be awarded to somebody from the state. So he created this personality of like... Or hired somebody to be his uncle so the he wouldn't be awarded to the state or whatever. Yeah, and Identity Crisis was one of those like turns, I think, where the DC universe turned even darker. Like everything mm-hmm. became like darker, and I, I hate that series. But anyway, that's another <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So if we get into 143, and you know, it's funny we were if you going back to Rebirth when we were talking about a lonely place of living, and then that storyline goes into Tim getting turned into an OMAC. I had mm-hmm. forgotten. That this, you know, the OMAX start from Infinite Crisis and all this stuff. So 143 has got this really cool cover. And maybe spoilers, the covers might be the coolest thing about these issues. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, 143 has, you know, the like a whole armada of OMAX chasing Robin and Warlock's daughter, which there's so many bad names for some of these villains in here, but it's got the OMAC project tie in. So before we start talking about this, what do you guys think of the uh, front cover here for 143? Let's start with Terrence. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I mean, the art, you know, it's McDaniel's art. So I, I could see where some people would not like it. And it does kind of scream that, you know, early 2000s kind of um, art style. But I like the art overall in, in these issues. 
And the OMAX, you know, I always think of that like two page spread in Infinite Crisis where Nightwing kind of looks up and the sky is red mm. in Bloodhaven yeah. and there's a, like a, just a bajillion OMAX in the sky. Yeah. And that was kind of like my first introduction to it. And then I also love um, the Batman Brave and the Bold. So I love the OMAC episode. You might have to put in some sound clips so that, oh, you know. I've got a truck yeah. ton of sound clips yeah. when you guys listen <laughs> to this. I am everywhere. We were supposed to take him alive. What can I say, bub? Peace hurts. I doubt Buddy would agree. Who's Buddy? <laughs> and, and they put like a little bit of like a Wolverine spin on it, like where he's calling Batman Bub and stuff. So it was kind of <laughs> kind of cool. So yeah, so you may be right. The um, the cover may be the best thing about the book, but it is. A, I, I like the cover. I think it's pretty cool. You know, we don't have the Let's Go comic show rating system, <laughs> but we do have a rating system for covers which is either it's either uh poster worthy or not so yeah. this this is not poster worthy but it, it is still pretty good yeah justin <laughs> the, the covers <laughs> i think the cover's fine it's you're I, i'm always looking for something like more dynamic just you know especially with a story like this you got to sell it and i'm like oh you know who's this who's laura <laughs> like wh- wh- <laughs> who's who's the vampire chick on the cover with robin like i've got questions you know, seeing it, um, yeah. I'm like, I'm just more critical about this stuff, and, and I don't want it to sound like I'm a jerk. I just feel like, man, Bloodhaven Under Siege could have been, like, a little mm-hmm. more eye-catching. Like, that's the blurb, and it's just kind of, like, right there. I mean, it's right there next to, you know, where the... Because I'm looking at the digital cover, so, like, it's right there next to, like, the, you know, the UPC box. Like, I get it, but, like, yeah. I, I just feel like maybe the Omax could have been larger, like maybe just one giant OMAC on the cover and then Robin kind of in front of it. It's it, 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 To me, it just feels like a generic cover. Like if I saw this, it, I don't know if I would have bought it based on the cover. Mm-hmm. You know, that. if and, and that's what you want a cover to do is like, what the heck is happening? And, and I don't feel like that. I'm like, oh, okay. So it, it just feels tie-in. <laughs> and it literally <laughs> says tie-in on the cover, you know, I mean, the OMAX. So. Again, yeah. this is the Robin show that is saying, uh, Tim Drake, everybody loves a Drake this epitomizes the word tie-in like yeah there is a through story going on here but it's it's thin but we'll get into that you have something else terrence uh no i did not i think justin he's the design person uh in this you know uh podcasting universe so he would know better than anybody and i agree with him 100 percent. and it's always preference too like it's just it's just you know yeah man you asked me the question now i feel like i was like i can't not because i just have I actually just have so many issues with the art in these books. It, you know, we'll we'll get there when we get there. But I, Justin keeps thinking, why didn't I say no to this episode? Yeah. Not at all, man. <laughs> no, not at all. No, okay. I was okay. like, you, we could have read anything. I'd have been like, let's hang out and talk. Right. So, <laughs> I'm yeah. down for that. Well, I I will say this: they're probably what they're trying to get people to buy this book is based on the OMAC tie-in and the little bat under the 143. But also, you know, Winningham and McDaniel. I'm not sure how long they were on the series, but they're not going to be on it for much longer because no. right. there's a couple issues after this that are Infinite Crisis tie-ins, and then they do the one year later jump where Adam Beecham and um, Beechin and Freddie uh, E. Williams II take over. So I wonder at what point did these guys realize like we're not on this much longer? Let's just get, let's just get this done. Let's just mail it in and let the, the other guys take it over. When we interviewed Marcus Tao 
a couple yeah. weeks ago. One of the cool things is he said, like when he knew the Red Robin series was was ending, they really put their best effort to give it the best ending possible and end on like a really strong note. And I I told him I said like that's refreshing because most <laughs> most books go out with a whimper, you know, they go out with a guest artist and it looks rushed and it's terrible. And so I, I wonder at what point did these guys realize they were moving on to something else? Yeah, yeah. And I was always a sucker like. My gag is when somebody asks me who my favorite Star Wars character is, I'm always like stormtroopers. And they're like, Ugh. there's just something about the anonymous, you know, robot. I love the the look of the Omax just as a as a design is just this faceless, one eyed entity. So that always kind of got my goat, so to speak. But Rock the Haven if this could be any uh, <laughs> cheesier <laughs> font, like this looks like you know uh, Microsoft Word ninety five, you know font here. But given the time, you know, I I I understand. This looks like like the band Poison. Like if they released a live double CD <laughs> from like a concert in New Haven, Connecticut, like this would be the logo for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like they're they're playing in New Haven, Connecticut, and it's yeah. Rock the Haven. Yeah. There's Unskinny Pop for the 80,000th time. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Unskinny Bop just may appear in this show, Terrence. Thank you very <laughs> oh, much. There you go. <laughs> so we have the, the Junkyard junkyard Dog, which makes me think of a Winger, al- a Winger uh, song on the Pull album from 92. As, as a great DC character that we've all read about. So this guy's trying to get away. He's His whole plot through <laughs> was trying to track down Tim Drake, which again, that was something I didn't, I didn't go back into the one twenties and read, but it's trying to take a hit out on Tim Drake and a gas bag ends up showing up. So I'm like, who are these guys? I know gas, if you go, (laughs) if you go to DC fandom and check out everybody that's in here, like there's gas bag, Johnny Warlock, junkyard dog, OMAC units, rising sun, Archer, nightshade, Ragman. Yeah. Like there's just a whole bunch of people. Like I was reading all of the names of all these characters going, what in the world is going on? Well, I, I was aware of Ragman and nightshade. Yes. Like th- yeah. they're like, you know, stalwart They're You know, they're like D grade characters. Sorry if someone's a huge fan of Ragman, <laughs> but like, you know, you've seen them, but all these other ones, I was like, who the? It's gas bag. <laughs> and it's gas bag. Like, that almost feels like, one moment I almost feel like that's a Chuck Dixon thing to do, and I, I'm quickly reminded, <laughs> like, that would be funny in a Chuck Dixon universe. Like, oh, gas bag, that's funny. But this yeah. isn't a Chuck Dixon written book, so I'm like, wow, the guy's name is Gas Bag, and there's no, there's no gag there other than him being used as a human shield to ward off the the omax hey and i was gonna wait till you finished your little intro blur but i'm gonna just jump in right now for it it kind of fits like i kind of like this even though it's bad i liked it because and i've I've told this story on the podcast many times but there may be some new listeners for the jl may tie-in when i was in high school comic books back in the old days in, in the early 90s comics were pretty much 75 cents a comic some like the prestige formats were like a buck 25 and i used to get three dollars for lunch and i would buy a I would walk into town, like I'd cut school, walk into town, <laughs> buy a, a, the pizza place would do a, a deal for students. You could get a slice of pizza and a Coke for a dollar. So I would, my dad would give me three bucks for lunch. I'd spend a dollar on pizza. And then the other two bucks, I would go to the comic book store, which was right in town and pick up some comics and then bring them back to school and like read them when I was supposed <laughs> to be doing other work. And so 
75 cents. I was always buying like new comics and just giving things a try and just picking up a book, you know, randomly, Captain America 330 or something. And then as you're reading a book for the first time, you're kind of jumping into the middle of it and you're always trying to figure out like, well, who are these characters and which ones are like just a guest in this issue and which ones are always in the issue. And sometimes you get it wrong because there's a character who's in the book and you think like, oh, this guy's this, this must be really important. And then you never hear him again. It was just the one issue he was in. And then other characters who are really important, they're not in that issue and, and stuff. Like I think – I remember I picked up X-Men for the first time and Storm was a little girl for some reason or something. And I never <laughs> – like that never really – like I was always like, isn't she a little girl? And that's what this reminded me of, like picking up a book in some high number. Like now today everything – like if a book makes it to 25 issues, like that's amazing. But <laughs> back in the 90s, there was all these books that were in the hundreds of issues all the time. And you pick it up in the middle and you're trying to figure out, well, who are these guys and what are they doing and which ones are just you know for this one issue and who's going to get killed and who's you know now a part of the story. So that's why I was – when I was reading this now here, I was trying to figure out, is this, guy, is this a guy who Robin's been teaming up with? Have they been around for a while? So – even though it wasn't really good, it, it did bring back some of that nostalgia for me of hmm. picking up a, a book 100 issues in and trying to figure out what's going on, which is almost kind of impossible these days to do. You know, I, so. And I want to talk about the McDaniels art in this. I've always, I've always been hot and cold on his art. Like I said, we're not going to try and tear anybody too terribly down here. But I feel like in some panels, his art is just pretty pretty consistent than in other panels you know i'm looking at this digitally right now i do have the single issues but even just digitally some of them just looks weird like when robin and uh, the veteran in the new haven as i'm going to call them are parachuting in to uh, ward off look pretty good but as the panels start going especially the parachuting panel like robin's face looks all squinched up and tink like I'm always constantly going, well, who is that guy? Like, oh, that's the robot guy. And then in the next panel, he looks more more robot. Uh, the veteran kind of changes shapes a little bit. So do you guys have – are you an appreciator for McDaniel's art? Or, like, where do you fall with his art, hmm. even just in the con- <clears throat> context of these issues or just his art as a whole? Yeah, I, I feel like this was kind of the end of his <laughs> his DC run. I don't know if I'm off or, or off on that. I really enjoyed his Nightwing stuff when he, him and Dixon were on Nightwing. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm a McDaniel fan because his art was very kinetic. It felt like it was moving. But these issues, man, th- and I think this is what was really hard for me as I'm as I'm reading it. Like story is really huge for me, right? Mm-hmm. Art, good art can save a mediocre story. You know, bad art makes a mediocre story hard to get through. And I think that's what was going on here. I think it felt very rushed, like. It was probably the opposite of what you the scenario you were setting up earlier. Like maybe they were like, "Dude, we just got to finish this thing up." It almost feels like this wasn't the story, and they had to add it. Uh, that's what I started getting out of it towards you know? the having read like seven issues. I'm like, I don't feel like this is where this was gonna go. So it it just feels very rushed. Like there are some parts where I'm like, like the parachuting scene's a great example of like, wait, what is going on with the faces there? Like it just sometimes it looks like Robin's like just this like square box looking guy you know sometimes the arms are a little weird like <laughs> like you know, is there it looks like there's a second elbow in his forearm <laughs> like the way his yeah. arm's moving I, yeah. I don't know i just there's definitely his style and I, and again i like it but it feels very rushed in these in these books and um yeah i don't, I don't know 
Yeah, disappointed so, is is oh, where sorry. where I would land for <laughs> just across all three issues. Gotcha. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you there at the end. No. So just to answer your question, just checking on Wikipedia, which is never wrong. Um, <laughs> a, yeah, after his last issue on Robin was 147, but then after that he did um, 15 issues on Green Arrow. Okay. Green Arrow 60 to 75, which was from 2006 to 2007. And then looks like that was the end of his DC run. And then he's done a little bit here and there, like Static Shock, New 52. I think he did one through eight. I'm I'm guessing Green Arrow 60 through 75 was like the one year later storyline. So he could have maybe been at that point focusing like, oh, how are we going to – what redesigns are we going to do? Because mm-hmm. if you look like that parachuting scene, uh, not only is the art kind of – sloppy and not up to his like nightwing run which lasted like a hundred something issues the backgrounds are pretty dull like the sky is completely empty in most of it there's just some like really nondescript just like square buildings that look like even a even a weak artist could do in about you know a couple of minutes with a ruler you know like it's it's really not interesting at all stuff that's going on outside the main characters and then when the main characters themselves are not drawn that great it just makes for really kind of lackluster art well you get into the the section where johnny warlock and warlock's daughter they're always so close in frame like it's hard to tell like are are they still in the air and this whole sequence of him choking her is johnny got scared off by a robin that's how he lost his hand and tim goes through this whole ploy with laura of saying no there's another robin and she fires a blast at Robin while Tim Drake is in the vicinity of it. So Tim sets up this whole ruse of like, oh, it was really Superboy that was Robin. So now that Robin is parachuting in, he's like, you lied to me. This is the the Robin that you know, caused me to be like this. And his stick is, if you hadn't read far enough, he can... I'm sure we all have that friend that will just talk themselves out of anything that the more they talk about it, the more they worry about it. Like, Oh, I'm never going to be good. I'm never going to make this basket. Uh, I, uh, the game's riding on me. Why is it gotta be me? And then they drop the ball or they, something like that. So that's his deal. The more he's worried about something, the worse he's actually going to perform. And because he got scared off by Robin the first time, that's going to figure into the story later on. So, Laura's in this whole mode of Robin, you got to save me. Robin got to save me. And he says at one point, if, you know, Warlock is still alive by the end of this, you know, they'll they'll figure something out to do with him. So I wish this sequence of, I mean, it lasts for a little while in this, but I don't think it's really explained well. If you're just picking up the Robin book, knowing that these Omax are actually people that had the nanotechnology put into them so they don't know that they're fighting human beings until they start crashing to the ground because of the explosion that happens in issue six of the OMAC project. You know, if you were not a huge comic book fan and you ripped the cover off this book (laughs) and gave it to someone and said, who didn't really know much about books and said, all right, read this book and then tell me who is the main character? Who's the title character of this book? I don't think you'd pick the guy in the green and the red and the, the Tim Drake, so. you know? I don't think so either. Cause he I, doesn't even show up till like halfway through it. And then he's yeah. a minor character. And it's it's just like the big blue guys are put in there to, uh, to for like a – it's just really 
just bad. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but I, but I would not have known that this was a Robin book. Maybe the last couple pages a little yeah. bit or something. But there's there's all this other stuff with like you know. Uh, it's the Red most un-Robin book I've ever read. Yes, yeah. yes. It's like wait, he's he's hanging out with his like military team. Like wait, yeah. it, you know, it's it's so unfamiliar to somebody who was going to pick up a crossover. It's actually the fa- it's like a fail on crossover event. Yeah, you know, because at least give somebody a, a a somewhat like, okay, I kind of have an idea who Robin is. He's a he's a sidekick of Batman. He's probably on some adventure. This is like, wait, why is he part of this weird like losers? Almost, you know, like the the military. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Like, the, why is he in basically a a version of the losers running around? <laughs> well, and you've got like knockoffs of Katana and a Spider Woman that show up at some point i'm like who who the heck are these two chicks tarantula i think is one of them like oddly enough but the only really mention of batman if you're just coming in like if you weren't reading robin before and you were only just following like hey i normally am a, a green lantern guy but i'm following all the tie-ins for leading up to infinite crisis batman's only made mention once and that's when one of the omax realize that oh the target they're identifying with is affiliated with the creator. And I always thought that was interesting at the beginning of mm. brother. I'm becoming more, you know, ascension and omnipotent that he identified with Batman as being the creator. As creator has taught me, there is always a way in the hierarchy of how the OMAC thinks. And this is really thinking outside the box. Is there more of a threat level for like, okay, all these rando characters, but once brother, I realizes this is an, acolyte or an associate of Batman's is Robin a bigger threat now to brother. I because of Batman being the creator of this, this whole movement for brother. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I was just thinking, how do you have a Robin issue set in Bloodhaven where Nightwing isn't a guest star, but gas bag is and like a million other people. Like, how do you not have like Nightwings anywhere in this? It's kind of, Kind he was probably going to die, so they had they didn't write him in the story. So yeah, yeah, he was on the hit. Well, I, that's the feeling. Is kind of like there's a huge changes coming for Tim Drake here with his new costume one year later, death of Superboy, all these things, and it was almost like they told these guys like, okay, you can't do anything or change anything, or that's going to be handled by other people. So just give us some filler. So they said, all right, we'll just put Robin in the background. <laughs> yeah. So. This issue, this particular issue ends with uh, Ragman and Nightshade arriving from, yeah. and I'm blanking on their cover. Shadow Pack. Shadow, Shadow Pack, Pack yes. Yeah. Which, I, I guess I can add this in here now. I wish I had read this and knew about Shadow Pack before I read Dark Knight's Metal. The writer of these Robins, Bill Wimningham, is credited yeah. in Wikipedia as the creator of Shadow Pack. It's a Shadow yeah. Pack mm. created by Bill Wimningham, and I'm guessing those 25 issues that started in July 2006 um it was part of the one year later was written by Bill Winningham so it's kind of weird that the the writer of Robin wrote Shadow Pack but maybe didn't quite <laughs> sell it as like go buy this book as much as you would think i i don't know were you huh. guys aware of that or no i didn't okay no i i did not crazy i yeah i i wasn't really following like what he was writing then so it's obvious that Tinian and Scott Snyder said the right Snyder there. There we go. We're, we're yeah. fans of Shadow Pack, which they're basically like Justice League Dark. 
So I don't I don't know why Justice League Dark and Shadow Pact aren't the same name, but it's got Detective Chimp. They hang out in that where is it? Their headquarters. This is from Wikipedia. The Shadow Pact are headquartered in the Oblivion Bar, a hangout for mystics with secret entrance in Gotham City. Jim yeah. Rook was the owner of the bar during the team's one year absence. A flipper armed conjurer named Eddie Deacon took over. So like a lot of that stuff was in the metal where I was like, where are they? What is going on? Who is this guy? Like, so now some of that makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. I love those characters. Like, I don't feel like a book like that needs to exist. Like the shadow pack when they've done like series and stuff, but I like them being like, Oh, we can, we'll we'll call them in. I think they're, they're, uh, they're special when they show up, but not special when they have a book. Let's move to uh, 144 to kind of keep this uh, train rolling here a little bit. I feel like the 144 cover is an inverse of the last cover. Like, oh, yeah. Robin was running with this chick, and now Robin's beat all of the blue butts that he possibly can. I feel like, again, like we were saying earlier, like narratively that this was really shoehorned in. Like, well, we're going to have Robin be a part of it. So that it has the OMAC title still on this now we're starting to have very loose threads like this almost feels like no man's land part 795 like (laughs) you got bloodhaven in ruins and this is just an adventure with everybody trying to make sure that every anybody that was an omac are they alive are they dead all of the creatures that have escaped from the haven rounding them up this feels like this is the last cattle drive issue they have swapped out nightshade for blue devil and i've always liked blue devil i liked him back in the 80s when he was teaming up with firestorm quite a bit so i'm trying to jog my memory of this is a later incarnation of uh, blue devil and uh then we have you know ragman in here what'd you guys think of this particular issue and a bigger thing and probably the more disgusting thing Again, of all the no-name villains that show up, you have <laughs> Thunderhand, <laughs> right? Thunderhand and Tapeworm. Yeah. Like I was, I read this issue a couple times trying to write the synopsis for the <laughs> for the audio part of it, and I was like, y- you can't create, you can't make this stuff up. It's so. almost as bad. It's like remember in that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two? He's all I'm Taser Face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like. I don't know, man. I can just hear Rocket going, I'm going to need the other half of Tapeworm. Because at one point, he and Ragman, or Robin and Ragman are holding on to Tapeworm. He, like, rips himself apart. That was funny. See, that part was funny. Here's my whole whole take on this issue was, like, I loved Robin kind of interacting with with the Shadow Pack guys. Like, I I like, you know, Ragman and and Blue Devil. I'm there with you. I love Blue Devil. I think he's a fun character when he Mm -hmm. shows up. The whole military team drags a whole... I, they do. They do. It felt like, are you guys trying to make like a spinoff of these characters? Because I just, I'm not bought into them. And I know there was like, you know, five other issues of Robin hanging out with them. It just, yeah. it just feels like this. It just was so weird. It, it just felt weird and forced. And who knows what was going on? But overall, this was probably my favorite of the three issues because mm-hmm. it was. It had a little bit of zaniness of like trying to like, you know, take these guys down. And, and when the tapeworm guy smacks, I mean, stretches and pops. <laughs> it's funny yeah and i like that ragman's like he smells like really yeah. bad smells so there's a little bit of levity yeah 
You know who the uh, the veteran reminded me of in Justice League International when Guy Gardner meets his hero, uh, General Glory. Oh, General yeah, Glory! Yeah, like I just kept what, I just kept thinking it was like the General Glory. Like that's oh, who, that's who it seemed like to me. Which I think General Glory was a, a a parody of Captain America, which yeah. I hadn't really yeah. read Captain America before I read General Glory, so I didn't oh, get man. the parody. <laughs> so I, you know, that's that's what I got out of that issue. <laughs> Man, I love General Glory. Yeah, he was hilarious. <laughs> I'm such a JLI head. I love that. Yeah, uh, those books. <laughs> well, and it was so funny because Guy Gardner acted like so in awe of his hero and stuff too. Yeah. It was it was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, doesn't doesn't uh, Guy Gardner become like his version of Bucky in it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why he has the bowl cut. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like he's just over the moon, like. With him, like, I can't believe I'm staying in here next to you. Can like, we just talk about General Glory? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, welcome to the General Glory podcast. Uh, Remember, he said his magic words. He said, "Lady Liberty, you're my Lady queen Liberty, for yes. the home of the brave and the land of the free." free. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. Now, why couldn't he have been in this? Because <laughs> until you said that, Terrence, I'm like, veteran reminds me of somebody, and all I could think of is Captain America, and I knew it was not Captain America. So I had the same thing. Like the more that the veteran wasn't in this, the better off I was. And I was like, please yeah. don't have the veteran come in and save the day with Robin. The the one thing that kind of makes it seem more dark and, and sinister in this is Thunderhand talking about the oh, <laughs> that, that name. I love it. Thunderhand talking about getting broken out of prison and then getting essentially transferred to another prison. It's like, Hey, they took yeah. care of us. And then the OMAX just systematically decided to go, all right, might not decided, but through brother, I were like, all right, we're going to start wiping out everyone. Downloading elimination protocol. Organic beings. You now face destruction. And then as he's telling that story, this is what causes Ragman to, pull him into his rags that they decided once they were broke out after the Omax had kind of shut down, they decided to essentially just murder anybody that wasn't already dead. Um, and I'd forgotten about Ragman's power like that because of his mm. rags. He, they get, gets pulled in and absorbed in and he can use their powers at will to suffice, you know, his mission. And depending on how you help Ragman will determine what Ragman does with, I don't know if it's like your soul or what he says, uh, he'll put in a good word for his his afterlife, which I thought was kind of really odd and creepy. But this one ends up with them finding Laura and her being still really confused and saying, you know, I, I want to talk to my boyfriend, Tim Drake, if he still is my boyfriend, <laughs> which that was a whole whole. Other I was story. like, wait, what? Yeah, I, I did the same thing. <laughs> Which I think she was more infatuated with Tim because he used the because Stephanie's been killed at this point through uh, the yeah, war, war games, games and Tim has to in a previous issue bring up Stephanie Brown like hey you know I had a girlfriend before she died so kind of ward off uh, Laura's there, advances. There's that weird spot where she just sees his shadow and she's all Tim. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like anyone with like some spiky hair. And then you're like, wait, oh, that little domino mask. Oh, no, never mind. I thought no. you were my boyfriend. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was mistaken. <laughs> so we were talking about posters at the beginning. And if there's a poster that's going to hang on Justin Kowalski's 
wall or his son's wall, it is going to be this last shot of Robin coming down with his team in this. These all these characters are getting new action figures. If you can name one oh gosh character from here other than what's his face, uh, Snake Boy down there, uh, you win two dollars. <laughs> There's a Betamax Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> at the top right yeah, okay and then um yeah, yeah i don't know man you have fart uh, knocker and <laughs> fart knocker. <laughs> i don't know who had dude that's the one part of this this issue like i was like am i is is this goofy or is this just them having fun with making up you know characters and i want to lean into the fun i don't want to completely knock it but yeah <laughs> these are these are some like you know f list like I think they've like, gone into like you were into the Greek alphabet of, yeah. <laughs> of characters at this point. I'm like, who's the Granny Goodness knockoff? Like, with yeah, the R's. Like, and she has she? yeah R's on her shoulders. Yeah, and then uh, this one guy looks kind of cool. Like, he's got look like some scrimmage sticks on his back. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. You have like some Amazon looking lady. <laughs> Uh, you know the, the now, spider bug looking guy. I like the vampire with the monocle, just like yeah, holding yeah. the collar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have a monocle. Yeah, well, now, he he's in the next issue, right? Like yeah. he's the like turned into turned to stone type deal. Now, but Slipknot, everyone's looking at him behind him. So Slipknot <laughs> is the only, I guess you can call him a a J lister now, having been in the Suicide Squad movie. So he is just in the left hand side yeah. of the page, holding the his little whip there. On the wannabe Clayface thing. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm. That's the thing. Like, how many of them are actual? Like, oh, y'all were digging, and you, yeah, because I know like Slipknot and then like the vampire dude, the, the characters that have been around. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of these guys are just <laughs> DC mainstays that I just have not seen because I'm like angry goth girl in the back and you know light per- person I, I don't know <laughs> all right <laughs> so here i just pulled up the comic vine <laughs> the synopsis of this and the list of characters is the, the synopsis is one sentence it's basically <laughs> for issue 145 bloodhaven is filled with metahuman villains recently freed from their omac captors oh, two sentences i guess can robin the veteran and shadow pack keep the city from falling into chaos and then the characters are <laughs> let's see if we can figure out badlands blue devil count draco darla aquista equina fright knight great with a k for the night great wall impervious krakatoa oh yeah krakatoa. uh monsoon ragman sergeant tommy tinker tangler <laughs> the jury veteran wonder girl Wicker Man, Tim Drake, Tapeworm, Slipknot, Red ba- 73. Yeah. And everyone loves Drake. <laughs> yeah. Redback Spider, Mug, Mr. Okay. Mayhem, Johnny Cloud, Elisa Von Hammer, Fuego, Fortress, oh, yeah. Fuego, <laughs> Dr. Okay. Ruthless, Curator, Centify, I don't know if I'm saying that right, and Basket Case. So <laughs> I feel okay. bad for the person on Comic Vine who had to put that together. <laughs> yeah. Well, like as you say him, I'm like, okay, I remember that guy because at the end he's all, I've got matches. He's like, no, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's Basket Case. And then there's a scary guy who scared Ragman. And so, but I, I'm like, are these, is this their first appearance? <laughs> that's yeah. my question. Because some of them are just like, oh, these are, this is like, the bottom of the bottom of the Suicide Squad. Like, these guys are all dying. First oh, mission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they were in the bus onto the training mission to become a Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. And that bus blew up. <laughs> That's right. 
You're lucky so, the bus just blew up and we killed 873 other people that wanted to be in this job. So you get a day's <laughs> reprieve. I was looking at DC fandom, and in this particular issue, I just clicked away from it. Way to go, Rob. Uh, first appearances for these... Oh, man. So, Tapeworm, Thunderhand... Thunderhand. <laughs> Bloom... <laughs> Thunderhand has got to be the best one. That's uh, If it, I ever become a writer, I'm bringing him back. Yes. And if this was an episode of Let's Go Comic Show, the episode title would be The Fab- Fantabulous Emancipation of One Thunderhand. That's uh, right. <laughs> and Blue Moon is a first appearance. So everybody else that Terrence rattled off is all uh, cameos. But, wow. Uh, Thunderhand first appearance and dies. So he was written oh, for, for this issue and died in, in wow. this issue. Maybe he'll have a resurrection that we can talk about next uh, uh, next Easter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the return of Thunderhand. Yeah, I well, gotta say before you move on to the next thing, I swear every time I hear a Justin Kowalski podcast, he pulls out some just random like encyclopedia knowledge of comics that just blows me away. I think the last time it was just like knowing that Guy Gardner was Vladorian for like a, oh. a, a little while. <laughs> now, how on the heck did you just pull know. General Glories? Um, I don't know. Right don't off know. the... Cause it's right here on, on Wikipedia. It says, Lady of Liberty, hereby plea for the land of the brave and the home of the free. And I'm like, how did you I don't just know, man. know that it's off just, the top of your head? That's amazing. Stuff. Yeah. It's just... The stuff that doesn't matter, dude. Well, I bow to your. I do the Wayne's World, and we're not worthy to your comic. I'm wrong a lot of the times, though. I am wrong a lot of the times. I'm like, oh, listening back, you're like, I did not. I I I don't know why I was so adamant about being right when I was wrong. So (laughs) there's plenty of that. His sidekick was Ernie, the battling boy. That remember (laughs) that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's bring this. (laughs) <laughs> dog and pony show to a close here with Robin 145. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing rather than labor this too much, too much longer is they, it's essentially, it's a game of uh, rounding kittens. They <laughs> gather up everybody that has broken out or trying to save whatever Omax that are still human, that are still functioning. And, it all culminates with a a big fight in this tight alley and the hitting the fast forward button on this is Robin gets overtaken by Monsoon at the tail end of it and gets pulled out of the water by Laura, which in this issue, Tim is wondering, can she be saved? Because as they're fighting in this alley with, you know, Blue Devil and Ragman and everybody that he's still like, I don't know, like she is not afraid to use her power and she's killing guys left and right or could be like she could be just a shell of the person uh that uh, he once knew and you guys can feel free to go back to any parts if you like but this ends with wonder girl streaking across the city looking for tim drake and she finds robin lands on the ground grabs him by the shoulders and says it's emergency the titans need your help so this directly takes us into Infinite Crisis. Yeah. So did you guys have anything else for this particular issue before we get into our our closing thoughts with this? Let's go to Terrence on this. 
All right, just a couple quick things. This has got to be, without a doubt, the worst blurb ever on front of a on on a cover. Oh, <laughs> when sixty yes. metas are running loose in Bloodhaven, who you gonna call? <laughs> and I forgot to talk about the cover on this one. <laughs> That's I, okay. You don't need to. This no, is, this is a, yeah. I do not like this cover at all. Yeah, the helicopter looks okay, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty... Blue Devil looks huge. Like, yeah. I mean, this is the same artist. This, like, yeah. what, what? I don't know, man. It's like. Did he draw this first and then, like, change how he wants to render him? I mean, he looks... I don't know. Blue Devil just looks like a Hulk right there. Yeah. Yeah, Blue Devil was always, like, this skinny dude that's trapped in this costume that eventually takes over. But I don't think at any point he ever gets roided out. Yeah. Well, I mean, he even looks like a different design than what's inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, he's wearing the gloves and stuff inside the book, like, the kind of the forearm gloves. And this is, like... I don't know. He almost looks like Etrigan. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he does. So. Oh, and I had to laugh when the veteran comes across the jury in this, and they're all numbered 1 through 12 because there's 12 jurors. (laughs) This is kind of crazy. I like them. I like the jurors. (laughs) Probably the most interesting, like, characters in this thing. I don't know. But it's like, it's just a funny idea. Yeah. So I will say this about everything, and this is probably pretty damning but if you were a wanted to know all about infinite crisis and the olmac you could skip these issues and you would not oh, miss a beat at all in infinite no. crisis or the olmac project and if you were a robin fan and you just skipped these issues in reading about robin you wouldn't miss a beat about robin or tim drake either these are these are like the very definition of filler the only thing worse were all those wedding tie-ins that came out with batman 50 oh those were so bad yeah i had to review those oh yeah and i I I bought every one of them too because i'm like oh they're gonna they're gonna get married and they're gonna lead in and it's gonna be all this stuff and they were just terrible issues and it ended up not even getting married it was just like oh what why did i spend why did i drop all this money on this for that rob bought all covers (laughs) yeah all the variants Suck. Yeah, I, I gotta say, we're, to get on our Tom King kick for a moment, for a guy that was like, I don't know, I sure doubled up on covers, man. <laughs> That's a whole. I love Tom King. Oh, Except you know, I could in, Heroes in Crisis. I didn't love. No, yeah. I know not at all. Well, did you the, like? Can I ask you real quick? Did you like the Mister Miracle miniseries? Because I loved the oh, first loved issue or it. two, and then I just thought it really fizzled out. At oh the end. man, it's one but, of my. I think it's one of my favorites, man. Okay, it's such a. It's man, that's that's a whole other show. That's okay. I just yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> check it, check out Mister Miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you guys were uh, to go back to that for a second. You and Matt were really raving about that that book enough where I was like, maybe I got to give this a try. And maybe that's the thing. Like Batman is a little tangent here. Batman is so Batman is such a thing for a lot of people that I think yeah. when you really try and shift Batman left or right or up or down, it can really rub people the wrong way. But I think somebody like a Mr. Miracle, you've got this blank slate for a lot of people that you can have, like maybe that's where Tom King's really suited mm. to, to write somebody and to really, to really move his character that nobody's paying attention to. And now all of a sudden people are paying attention to it rather than, all right, we're watching you. You better not do a, 
a, yeah. a silly thing with my favorite character. You know, well, so. it definitely resonated with people. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it got him working on the New Gods film. I yeah, mean, yeah. He has a good understanding of those characters, and it's really a, it's really a story. Just real, the, the quick version. It's a story about being a father in life and balancing those responsibilities, but also like, oh, I'm also I've been appointed the leader of. <laughs> new genesis i have to prepare for a war i mean you know it, it, it may be a little you know kind of subversive for people but i'm like oh i love it and the art a- anyways <laughs> if, if you hate these robin issues go buy mr miracle, yeah. buy mr. miracle. <laughs> go buy that that's a great it was a great story well one positive is you won't have to pay a lot if you want to read these robin issues because i i know i got a couple of these out of the dollar bin and like when Rob mentioned it, I looked through. I'm like, I think I got some dollar books over there. Oh yeah, look, here it is. And I, oh really? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think this would set you back too much. But um, well, like I was, I was fortunate that you know it's all these are all in the DC Universe app. The whole it's weird. The Robin runs broken up really weird. Like it, it has the first issue, and then it just you know it's got some of the annuals, and then it just jumps to like the 40s or something right after like issue 12 mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you know or maybe maybe it's in the 20s i don't know but it doesn't have like a full run i don't feel like i feel I like f- it just skips all the way yeah, it'll skip all the way to the 30s or something i don't know and i think a lot of that is due to where the batman books are if they're putting up stories like contagion and nightfall and not well not like nightfall but like uh cataclysm and aftershock and no man's land i think they're like oh well we got to put this batch of robin books in because it's tied in the these other main batman stories and it's this whole through line so i think that's why it's not getting a oh here's issue 27 that doesn't tie into anything but it's just a cool cool robin story they're all there but this this feels like they're just laid out weird yeah well like i said this would take us right into the proper infinite crisis story and what was going on with Superboy and what, why uh, Wonder Girl needs Tim Drake to be part of it and get reacquainted back with the Titans again. So I guess in closing, um, once Infinite Crisis comes out, maybe you guys can just briefly talk on what you thought of Infinite Crisis. And then I guess the bigger thing is what happened after Infinite Crisis, giving what we just read and going into one year later, maybe is not great as these issues are, I think on the other side of it, things are a little bit brighter, maybe more fun to read. So yeah. uh, just some uh, quick thoughts as we close this out. So let's start with uh, our guest on this one, Justin. Hey, uh, yeah, one year later, jump back in. I mean, um, it was, I was just interested. I was like, so wait, we're skipping ahead a year? That was just intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, and we talked about this on the uh, earlier in the year. Oh, gosh, was it this year? The the uh when we were celebrating tim drake's the oh yeah years yeah so i really love the one year later outfit you know not that that's a character defining thing but it just i was intrigued enough like oh that's the idea that's the suit i've always kind of loved based on the dc animated version of mm-hmm. tim drake the stories did get i think a little funner and you know i like what beecham was doing on the book there and so once you guys get to that <laughs> i think you're gonna have a good time you know i, I overall i was happy I, infinite crisis again said it I was my favorite of the Crisis mini series. I think everything afterwards for a good while was pretty was pretty good. So I was happy with what happened. Yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. There you right. go, Terrence. Yeah, I would say it's probably my second favorite Crisis because I really like Zero Hour. But that might have oh, been yeah. mm-hmm. a little bit more just because I was really into the books at that point. I was I was pretty much buying everything 
DC at that point. So yeah. I, I really like that. And I love Dan Jurgen's art. And he was the writer on that. And there was some character development for Hal Jordan and everything. So I, I really like that. But this was a second. After I read this trade paperback, I was like, oh, I want to read another. And I got Final Crisis, thinking it would be like part two of this. And then I was like, what the heck is going Like, am I an idiot? Because I can't understand what I'm reading. This makes no sense. And then I just realized Grant Morrison's on an Grant acid Morrison. trip. And, and it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't my fault. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a... It's kind of a really interesting time in comics, and it's sort of, I think, what DC has been struggling both with the cinematic universe. They want the books to be serious. They want them to have, like, be somewhat dark and have an edge, but where's that line? Because it's so easy to go too far over that line. And when you see, like, even in the cinematic universe, you know, Aquaman was well below behind that line, makes a billion dollars. You know, Wonder Woman's behind that line makes a billion dollars. You know, Batman v Superman and Justice League kind of go over that line and they're not as well received. And, you know, mm -hmm. so I, it's kind of a, but then you go Batman and Robin with Chris O'Donnell and <laughs> George Clooney and you go too far. Yeah. And so it's, it's a balancing act that I think they've been struggling with. And part of the, like the nature of comics where you have a writer, but you also have an artist and an inker and an assistant editor and an editor and a publisher and all these different people with their opinions, it's really hard to, to find that right, right balance. So I, I feel like if you read infinite crisis and then read, Oh crap, what was the name of that? Jeff Johns, uh, doomsday clock. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. wouldn't think that there was basically like 14 years in between those two, series mm. like they huh. they feel like one right after another almost because they're still struggling with that same kind of like tone of the dc universe a bit i don't know i'm kind of i'll be curious to hear the other jl may podcasts and see what everyone else's take is on it they're like i love these issues yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where i fell in love with tapeworm and gas bag yeah <laughs> so in case you're wondering i'll give you a quick rundown of the other shows that are participating in this JL May crossover, as I'm pulling it up here. So we have the Fire and Water podcast. Everyone loves a Drake. That's us. Pop Culture Affidavit. It all comes back to Superman. The Fan Holes podcast. Justice First Dawn. The Birds of Prey podcast. Married with Comics. And Married with Comics is actually covering the OMAC project crossover that's what oh, we covered. The, the trip. The... Yep, that okay. whole six issue story. So that would be that's one I'm definitely going to check out to see what they have to say. Coffee and Comics podcast, which uh, he just guested on this show for an 80th anniversary Robin show. Yeah, I have a Long Box Crusade Task Force X relatively geeky podcast, and Professor Allen, native Ohioan, also guested on an 80th anniversary show that we recorded last week. Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace and the Doctor DC podcast. So. That is a whole list of podcasts. Uh, we'll try to have links for all of those shows to go check out the JL May Countdown to Infinite Crisis crossover, the event before the event. So before we get out of here, we also had to pull in another podcast, the Let's Go comic show that we should add to this. <laughs> so for those people, Justin, that are not listening to your great show, and they should, uh, where can people find you? Where can they get a hold of you? And do you have anything coming up? 
up because with the comics industry being the way they are, you guys are kind of pulling ideas for podcasts out of uh, other places, which is really kind of cool. So what do you guys have uh, going on and where, where can people find you? Wow, thanks. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, just J underscore Rocker. The show is Let's Go Comic Show on you know Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Uh, Instagram's really just, hey, this is the show that's out right now. We've just <laughs> been so behind on Instagram. Go to www.letsgopodcast.com. That's where uh, we host this show for the Let's Go Comic Show. And we have another show just called Let's Go Podcast. A little behind on production on that right now. But the comic show is every week. Yeah, we're, we're just trying to talk about what we love about the books. You know, We do reviews every week, and those kind of slow down because there's nothing coming out. But a couple of the guys have been like doing you know reviews on, like, oh, here's a, here's a comic I really loved. Uh, here's, a, you know, here's the omnibus of Hellboy. I want to talk about that. And so we're still trying to put stuff out. But as far as like the show, um, <laughs> we, had a, we had a show lined up this week. We thought, hey, we're going to talk about you know, these, these ideas, and then it – it went off the rails because we were talking about the Batman films <laughs> and, and the whole show became like our list of uh, Batman. It was like that thing on Twitter. Everyone will you know, list Batman yeah. films in order. And so we were talking about that and it just became the whole show. You know, we're just we're just talking. It's us talking about the comics and stuff that we love. You know, sometimes we're talking about comic books. Sometimes we're talking about the shows, the movies, maybe just our experience in I, I think it. Even when the hobby's kind of in a weird spot right now, you know, I feel like comics are going to come back. I don't think comics are going away, but I think in in this situation, the industry really needs to look at like how they're distributing the books, mm-hmm. and even the shops need to think about like, you know, and I, I said this on Twitter. I think the shops are kind of lazy. I think shops just go, oh, people are going to come on Wednesday, and it has to be more than that. Now, there's a right. ton of shops that do a lot of work, and I'm not, I don't want to put everybody in a box, but. You know, my experience with going to comic stores is they're not friendly. They're not helpful. They just want you to come in on a Wednesday and that's it. Yeah. And, and I'm being very black and white, but I feel like that's been my experience, you know. But there are great shops out there that they're, you know, they're going to talk to you. They're going to recommend. We need more of that. And I think hopefully the industry can learn from this time off. Like, hey, how do I continue my business? How do I how do I adapt? And, and so we, we've been kind of you know, talking behind the scenes, like maybe we'll do an episode on stuff like that. I, I don't know. It's just a weird time, but we, we still love the books. We still love the characters and we love to, to just geek out and talk. Like that's why, <laughs> that's what's so great about doing this episode is even if these weren't like the best issues of Robin, <laughs> this was a fun time just talking and hanging out. And I yeah. think that's, what's great about the hobby is like, you know, we're going to have opinions and there might be different sometimes. And there's, we're going to have like, a fun time, you know, hopefully being respectful <laughs> about it. You know, it's yeah. fun. like on Twitter, it's fun to dig and take little like little stabs at your friends because, you know, like we're just going to go circles and circles about the stuff that, you know, we like and don't like. But in the end, we all love the comics. We love the, the hobby. We love the community. And it's fun. To, it's fun to chat about it all. And that's what we're just trying to do right now is have fun with it. <laughs> There's nothing coming out. I don't know <laughs> what I just said. Just I'm just love talking comics, man. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, I love the, the arguments you and Matt get into on the show because they're like, they start off so subtly, like you just kind of <laughs> like go to each other a little bit. It's not like you're wrong and let me tell you why, blah, blah, like Fox News yelling at each other. It's just kind of <laughs> like this subtle thing, like, well, you know, everyone knows that Barry Allen's trash or something, you know, and then he's like, wait, what do you, wait, you know, and then you'll start talking about something else and then you'll just like, you you see, it's like you, you could almost 
as you're listening at home, realize like it's still playing in some one of you guys's mind because then just out of nowhere you play. Well, wait, what did you mean by that? With the you know, and then you go off on these like crazy tangents with stuff, and it's always, but it's never like a like a like arguing like in your face. It's always just that subtle of like, well, you know, like let me tell you that you know, and it's like it, it's it's really fun to listen to. Yeah, oh, I I stir the pot for sure. <laughs> yeah. You guys remind me of uh, one of my good friends, childhood friends, who lived right across the street. <clears throat> and we always went, that was when the Who's Who comic books were coming out. And we oh, would. Oh, the loose leaf? Yeah, the loose leaf and then oh, the, 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 the proper ones, too. We would get those books. And you know, there, there's no story. It's basically just reading an encyclopedia that my dad was always like, you'll read that and learn all factoids, but you don't know who who Colonel Custard was or, you know, but we would have those conversations. He's like, oh. dad, was he friends with general glory? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. But we have conversations of like, I like general glory. He looks like an idiot. Why would you like that? And then you would start reading through stuff and you go back and forth. And I, that's what the great thing about your guys' show is you guys just are go back and forth just on opinions and ideas and topics. And like, we would start talking about, those comics we were reading and next thing you know we're out in left field somewhere else and you go how did we get clear over here i think that's the the great thing about doing podcasts and just spending time in your hobbies and ex mm. especially going on right now is you know this is a great way to still stay connected with people and uh let the geek community kind of uh, rally together through this so thanks for coming on man and uh oh, yeah participating in your first jl may and <laughs> <laughs> right that's, so that's amazing so they need they, 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 next year. I I, I want to have an official episode in jail. Made. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Well, I I'm will, like. Oh man, what's the next thing that's coming up? Like, <laughs> are they doing it chronologically? Like, what are the big events? So we'll, no, like, what's they what's after they will just they will pick one. It's it's kind oh, of gosh. like it's gonna be bloodlines. I'm gonna get stuck with the cyber you're stuck with bloodlines. <laughs> yeah. You said you wanted to, and it's it's almost like my parents used to have a block party when we were kids, and then. Whoever was having it that week, like, all right, we're having it this week. And then the, the next family would have it the next week. So it was that family theme or that next month ago. All right, this is what we're going to do for we're going to play badminton out in the backyard. So I think that's kind of how it does. It's going around different podcasters like, all right, JL May is coming up. Who wants to host it and who wants to be the flagship? And then that person gets to decide what DC event they get to talk about. So that's kind of how it how it's rolled out. So hashtag JL may on Twitter, and you can find a lot of the podcasts throughout the six years. I'm not going to, what I think that's what it is that they've done. The last year's was blackest nights. And that was, that was a fun oh, one uh, yeah. to hear people talk about. So my favorite. So I think this is where we're going to end this uh, episode for our participation in JL may. And I'm not sure what our next podcast is going to be. If we're going back into what Tim is doing chronologically back in the nineties, or if it's an 80th anniversary show, but you'll know at some point, we're just going to tell you why everyone loves the Drake. So on behalf of Terrence and our special guest from a let's go comic show, Justin Kowalski, I'm your host, Rob. You've been listening to the Batman universe.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake on JL may. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye. Systems failing. Shut down, commencing in three, two. Tighten your seatbelts and get ready. This is Screaming and Digital. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the Batman Universe.net. 
Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.